You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina Coast to Coast podcast. I'm your host, John Siegley. I'm joined, as always, by Cheryl McMillan and Sean Moran. We are sponsored by Giant T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com, longtime sponsors of Inside Carolina. Great friends to all Tar Heel fans out there. If you are listening to this podcast, whether that be on a podcast app or on YouTube, we here at Inside Carolina would just like to ask a humble request, if you wouldn't mind, just take the time to give us a review and a rating, especially if you're listening on the iTunes podcast. Um, if you feel that we deserve a five-star rating, that would be great because anything that we can get as far as ratings goes really helps grow the podcast. If you don't feel like we deserve a, a five-star rating, let us know what we can do to fix things up. If you have any suggestions we are always looking for ways to improve the pod as well so that will do it about for me as far as the intro goes because guys we actually have basketball to talk about finally it's not that much but we have a little bit Uh, there were several unc commits and prospects that were involved in tournaments over the last few days Uh, But we are going to start the podcast off talking about the big-time offer that went out, and that was to Jabari Smith. He is the power forward class of 2021 out of Georgia, and this was a big deal because Smith is currently the number four prospect, both on 247 and the composite. So, Sherelle, you actually wrote about Smith in the... Um, the scoop, which is a great feature. If you're listening to this podcast, make sure that you check that out on the inside Carolina premium basketball message board. And then it turned out that just right after that, UNC went ahead and offered Smith. So since you had written all those words about him, Rel, I'm going to let you start off the podcast. What is your impression of Smith and what makes him a top five prospect in the class of 2021? Well, I'll let Sean get into the the nitty-gritty basketball details about Smith. He's watched him uh, more than I have. As far as North Carolina's recruitment of him, um, it's an offer we thought was going to come earlier this year. Um, You know, the North Carolina staff has seen him a couple times. Um, Bro Williams had been down to see him. Uh, Brad Frederick had been in the game where he played against Walker Kessler that we keep talking about from February that really showed everyone <clears throat> kind of uh, that not just only was he a really good, you know, player in his class, but also he could outdo or uh, I would say play as well as someone like Kessler, who was a top 20 freshman, you know, going into college. <clears throat> so they've known about him. They've seen him. They've watched him. Um, and, you know, I don't know if maybe they've heard something about one of their guys or, or, or what, necessitated the timing um, that he had on this one. Uh, It's a little surprising. Um, I thought it was, like I said, I thought it was going to come earlier this year. As far as Smith as a a player, uh, like I said, I'll let Sean get into it. But I think, um, you know, we've talked about a few times North Carolina not having that traditional power forward that, you know, folks are used to to, to them having. You know, Tyler Zeller played some for John Henson, uh, all the way back to Antoine Jameson, Rasheed Wallace. All those guys, to me, are power forwards. Uh, Bryce Johnson, Isaiah Hicks, they haven't had that long, lanky, athletic-type power forward. And I think Jabari Smith kind of would be the, the next in line for that, for that role. Um, I think he would fit in pretty well uh, with what they have at center. Um, I think the question with everybody uh, that North Carolina is going to have is they sign at the four, and whoever they play at the four is going to be, can they guard uh, what we call uh, hybrid forwards, kind of, small ball fours in college who turn into wings in the NBA. So I think that's the main question. And to me, the only question about Jabari Smith as a player and how he would fit in at Carolina. All right, Sean, you're teed up, man. Go ahead. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. It's probably almost a full year ago, I guess 51 weeks, um, when I last saw him in person. So that was at the last live period last year. Um, an Adidas tournament. And I remember, you know, asking his father about UNC, because I think we did a story on them for Inside Carolina. At the time, UNC had not reached out, but we always kind of figured he would be a person of interest. And sure enough, here we are in late July now, um, and he has an offer. In terms of 
guys in the class. I'd say, you know, Hunter Salas, I really like. Um, Jabari Smith, obviously, is ranked highly. Um, so it's not, uh, not going out on a limb to, to like him. But he is very smooth, and I, I do really like his game. Um, he's young for his age. I think he probably would have been playing on the U-17s um, in terms of the USA team this year. But one of the things you notice about him, when I saw him, he was 6'8". I know now he's been listed at 6'9", 6'10", so it seems like he has grown a little bit. Um, his dad's huge, I think 6'10", 6'11". Um, but, you know, for, for me, it was really his shot. So he's got a very tight um, formation or a form on his shot. And for him, he is a – you know, he's going to be guarding the bigs, fours, fives um, on defense. But once again, he, he likes to – he can play on the perimeter where he's a really good shooter um, and he can take the – he can handle off the dribble. So he can – you know, he's not going to be dribbling the ball up the court and going iso, but if somebody closes out, he can attack him with one, two dribbles, get to the, get to the lane for a dunk. Um, he's also not afraid to play inside. Probably needs to put on a little bit of weight, but – He'll get in the post. He has a nice fadeaway, um, a little turnover his shoulder. So from an offensive standpoint, I think he's very skilled um, and would be obviously a great addition. I think the question for him is how many bigs will be there when UNC's come, you know, will be coming back. And right now, say there's three, um, all three of those guys are, I'd say, more fives um, in terms of who they're going to guard. And he's really that, uh, you know, stretch four, true four that can play. So you know, the other question is, does he go to the G League? Uh, because he's going to, he's a top five player. They're going to be offering him, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the big money, the $400,000 plus, I would imagine. So it's a question of, does he end up in college? Um, but in terms of personality and skill set, um, very high on him and, and think he would be a tremendous addition. So I have a follow up question for both of you guys, but Sherelle, I'll start with you. You know, UNC is going after another top 10 recruit here. And several years ago, their record with those guys wasn't great. But Carolina seemed to really turn around during this last class. And even before then, I mean, they got Cole Anthony, who was a top, I mean, at least top 15th. I'm pretty sure he was a top 10 player as well, if memory serves. So when you're looking at the recruitment of Smith, He's class of 2021. Recruiting is weird right now with the pandemic going on. But how do you see the Heels really being a player for him? Do you think that they will end up being one of his favorite schools down the stretch? Yeah, I think they probably got some word that, hey, if you offer him, that he'll be interested. I doubt an offer to a top five player uh, would have come this late. For those listening, I'm putting in quotations, um, you know, a month and a half before his senior year of high school, I doubt would have come this late without some kind of, you know, kind of understanding that they were actually truly in it. <clears throat> now, as Sean said, you're not just competing against other schools anymore. So it's not just, you know, hey, North Carolina is better than Georgia or Georgia Tech or Auburn or LSU or any of the SEC schools he has offers from. It's, is Carolina better than a chance of making $500,000 for a year before going into the NBA draft? So that is... Uh, a complicating factor, I would say, in all the recruitments of, of top 10 guys moving forward. Um, but I, I think they, they have a shot. Uh, you know, I, I know Carolina fans don't want to hear this, but he does not have offers from Kentucky or Duke. Uh, so that is always a good not thing. Yet. Because, not yet. That's always a good thing because those are two formidable foes on, on the recruiting trail. Um, his offers are pretty much all SEC, or the offers that he's entertaining, I should say, mm -hmm. seem to be almost all SEC, all regional, all very southeast uh, oriented. So, um, you know, there's, there's, I think they have a shot. It's just a matter of if he goes to college and and how much they can um, convince him that the the big stage of North Carolina, the lights shine a little brighter than some of the other schools that he's considering. All right, good stuff there. So, Sean, my follow up question to you was going to be. What do you think about what Sherelle was talking about, how if Smith is going to be playing the four in college, you know, you saw him a year ago. He was obviously a lot less developed at that point. He's put on size, put on some height. But do you really see him as being able to guard those smaller fours that have become so prevalent in college basketball? Yeah, I definitely think he can. I mean, especially when looking at, um, you know, who's going to probably be guarding the four you know, coming up this year. Um, and mm -hmm. I think him playing the wing, you know, being comfortable on the perimeter on offense will help him. I mean, you know, 
just think of Duke, for instance, they always like playing, you know, playing a guy, the three up at the four and creating the mismatch problems because they're too quick or uh, the, the Duke players too quick usually. Um, and for him, I don't think that would be a problem in terms of, mm. of guarding. Now, obviously, if he's getting bigger, maybe that affects it. But I think he'd be a, you know, truly a guy that if a team's trying to go small, I mean, think Auburn in the tournament a few years ago with how athletic and how small they went. You put him in there, and that that solves that problem right away because he can he can adapt to that, in my opinion. Um, but yeah. you know, the other thing I I, I, I lied when I said I, it was last July I saw him. I, I forgot I saw him at USA Basketball, and with how many players they have at USA Basketball these days, they split him into two gyms, and he was actually with um, the younger guys, so more the freshmen, sophomores, because he fit in. Mm -hmm. He still fit into that U17 because he was young, and him and Patrick Baldwin were you know just heading head and shoulders above everybody. So I wish I had seen him play against the older guys. But uh, once again, I think with his shooting and just skill set, he's probably one of the more skilled offensive players in the class. And there's there are people who know basketball really well who believe that ultimately he'll be a wing, you know, when he gets to the NBA. So wow. they see him. They see I, I, Sean disagrees. I'm going <laughs> to let Sean go. I'm going to let him go. But there, there are people who, I, who I've talked to, who we've talked to, who really believe that, you know, uh, high school five, college four, NBA three. Jeez. Now, whether or not he does that, we'll see. But they really believe that's his uh, that's the tra trajectory that he's taking. Hmm. Yeah, I know one of the comparisons was was Tatum, and I, you know, hmm. everybody has their different opinion, but I, I definitely <laughs> did not agree with that. Um, just having watched Tatum a lot more than I have uh, Smith, especially for Tatum growing up, and he, you know, coming up, he was mostly uh, playing point guard uh, a good majority of the time. So he was kind of going up from a one to a four uh, versus always harder going, going down, um, mm -hmm. you know, then playing full time on the wing, you need to be pretty quick and athletic. So I, I think, I mean, even in the NBA, I see him playing that stretch four, which I think still would be ideal given his size and shooting. Um, so, you know, I still, I see him playing on the wing, but at three, I'm going to probably disagree with on that one. Well, let me ask you guys this, and this will kind of wrap up the talk about Jabari Smith. What about a small ball five? Because, I mean, if Roy does roll out that small lineup like he has shown in, in the last couple of seasons, I mean, do you think that Smith kind of has the rebounding prowess and the defensive ability to be a small ball five potentially in certain situations? What do you think about that, Real? In his one year in college, I probably wouldn't do that. Um, hmm. I think, again, and this isn't my analysis is from talking to people who have seen him play a good deal. Physicality and strength uh, are still things that he has to improve upon. And so I don't know if I were a coach, I would feel comfortable having him kind of being the, the main guy in there by himself uh, in the pain is because he, he's not a bruiser. You know, mm -hmm. this is a very skilled athletic type player. I'm not saying he can't be a great rebounder, but I would probably, you know, go with, I probably would still go with someone a little more rugged, uh, at the five and then keep him at the four. That gives you a lot of versatility. Gotcha. Especially if you, if you did have, uh, eight, you know, once again, who, who knows in my head, I'm always thinking three, but as I talked about in the Chet Holmgren, Holmgren fit, you know, who know, you know, one of the freshmen could have a really good year. Maybe Armando just wants to get paid in the G league. I mean, so, or he has a breakout year. Um, so you never know in terms of how many will be left, but, I think there should be enough uh, for him not to have to play a true five. But then again, if you want to switch things up, I think he could for, for spot minutes. All right. Interesting stuff, guys. Well, um, we'll just have to see how Smith's recruitment goes over the next couple of months. Now turning to the basketball that, that hopefully a lot of Tar Heel fans were able to watch. Uh, there were a, a few games uh, going on, like I alluded to earlier. One of them was a player that is near and dear to Sean's heart, um, unfortunately for Sherelle, his favorite player is already arriving on campus, RJ Davis. So we can't talk about him this podcast, but there is his honorary mention as we are contractually obligated to do now on every Coast to Coast podcast. But the recruits I wanted to talk with you guys about were at, were at this point were Hunter Salis and then um, Mark Mitchell. Mitchell is probably the name that Tar Heel fans are going to be less familiar with because he is a um, class of 22 out of Kansas, he is a small forward, but going to start the conversation with you for this one, Sean, because it looks like Salas and Mitchell actually went head to head. What was that game and what did you think uh, of looking at their stats? Well, this was a game uh, initially when I saw it came out, I was excited to watch. Um, 
you know, and, and have the baller TV subscription, which, uh, you know, I have my own issues with watching games on, on that, but unfortunately it, it was not on that one. And it was on another one, which I hadn't heard of, um, play late. I, I think I don't even, I don't even know, but try to go on there and, um, it didn't, didn't, you know, didn't look like they were even broadcasting on that one. So unfortunately did not get to watch that one live. Like I was hoping to, because it seemed like it was a good one, um, with Mark Mitchell, kind of going coast to coast and, and hitting uh, the game winner. And he finished with 24 and seven Hunter Salas had 18, six and four. So it seemed like a pretty good, good affair and have, you know, was able to follow kind of the, the Twitter accounts for, for both that, those games, but it definitely seems like Salas impressed a lot of people um, not only in that game, but also Friday. And I know we talked about it before, you know, some, some websites have him a little higher. I still think he's going to be a top 10 guy um, in the class. And the game I was watching this morning was supposed to be Salas versus Holmgren. Um, I turned it on. It looked like Salas' team was playing the B team. And uh, he, it also looked like he was playing at 50% speed. It looked like he had a little bit of a limp from Saturday. So once again, not the best viewing opportunity. But overall, I think he, he impressed um, wholeheartedly over the weekend. And I think, um, you know, in terms of Mark Mitchell, uh, he's a guy I definitely want to watch more of. And I think is probably rated a little bit lower than he should be just on, you know, the guy's six, eight, once again, probably not a true three, but he's very comfortable handling the ball and very, you know, he's a left hand, left-handed. So, but am, ambidextrous, um, amphibious, whatever you want to, <laughs> whatever you want to say. And, you know, he's, he's a kind of a grown man. I think he's, you know, probably athleticism, you know, in terms of his quickness, working on that a little bit, but, you can see in the highlight him going coast to coast, um, you know, starting on the right side, finishing on the left. And that, you know, hopefully that game pops up online because I think that would be a good one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Salsa is a player I know a lot of UNC fans have been following. He's obviously a huge one for that 2021 class. Mark Mitchell, though, out of 2022, just for some perspective, I mean, Sean, you, you said that he might even need to be higher rated. Currently, he's the 18th rated overall pro- prospect in the junior class so that's pretty high praise now rel you wrote out a great piece on inside carolina get on the premium basketball message board going through all of the details and nuance into mark mitchell's uh, when he got the offer his reaction to it a lot of great quotes in there so i encourage everyone to go on, on the inside carolina premium basketball message board and read that but you know, it's, a, it's the, I think, what, the third or fourth total offer out to the class of 2022. And it's just interesting that those offers are going out. And really, it's, it's good to see Mitchell playing against guys like Salas and holding his own. But, Sherelle, is there any sort of, like, I want to say, like, tepidation, but do, do you think that coaches are kind of maybe being a little bit more cautious with their offers unless it is someone that just looks truly elite, like Mitchell has shades of showing here? I think that's exactly what UNC is doing. I think they're erring on the side of caution and they're offering players who they know can be good. Now, there's all kind of caveats that go with that, like know they can be good in their system or know they can be good in this style. They're just like, okay, this guy can play basketball. We'll offer him and figure it out later. I think that's kind of what you see the UNC staff doing with 2022. And I mean, they told Mitchell that, I mean, he's he's been having conversations with Steve Robinson since the June 15th period started when uh, rising juniors could start receiving phone calls directly from coaches. The way it works now for those who don't know is that until the, uh, until June 15th uh, before your junior season, you can't have a coach call you directly. Now you can call a coach as, as many times as you want to. So if Mark Mitchell wanted to call Roy Williams every single day, he could. <clears throat> but until June 15th, they can't call him. So once that happens, that kind of is a, a big tell about who North Carolina is interested in. And he said he talked to Robinson uh, that next, I think it was the next morning. He's been talking regularly with him. And then he talked to Roy Williams uh, this past week, and, and that's when the offer came. Um, so back to your original question. Yes, uh, Sky Clark is a, an offer UNC's given out in 2022. Really good player, can really score. Jaden Bradley, they've seen him a ton. They know him. Um, really good player. And now Mark Mitchell, um, it's kind of the same deal. Um, and Steve Robinson watched him last summer. So this isn't a situation where they haven't seen him live. Steve Robinson watched his AAU team a good deal last summer, as well as Jaden Bradley. Um, Sky Clark, I'm not sure about, um, but that's kind of where they're at. And I think we'll, 
I think we have to be kind of on our P's and Q's at Inside Carolina because I think there's a few more, probably four or five other players um, who could get an offer like, you know, during this during this uh, podcast or could get an <laughs> offer tomorrow um, because I think that's just what they're doing now is you can play basketball. We like you. We'll figure it out later. Yeah, and Sean, I mean, I think it's it's really good that – we're seeing some of these tournaments and the hope is that these guys will continue to play. Are there any other names that kind of pop out to you that are some recruits that UNC may be following or um, anyone else that, that you're trying to keep an eye on as, and hopefully they have games coming up. Um, so one guy in the 2022 class, another Midwest guy, Grady Dick from uh, the Kansas area. He was on, the KC run GMC 16 and under team. And I know he played really well this weekend. Um, I know his name's kind of been floated out there. So that could be an option um, in terms of, you know, 2021. I think that's going to be interesting because we've talked about it of, of, you know, their offers and with, I know we're going to talk about Caleb Houston going forward. Um, but there's a hand, you know, obviously what we think and what's reality could be totally different, but what we think is there is a handful of realistic candidates and then the other ones that are, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, and I feel like they're going to have to start expanding the 21 pool. And I think it's going to be interesting to see where they go, um, you know, in that lens um, instead of, you know, continuing 2022, but I could definitely see, you know, especially over the next week or two, you start seeing offers coming out because if you think about it, you know, we'd be finishing up, what the second live period and going into the third period. And, you know, that that's when a lot of action happens or sometimes it's right after that third period happens. So I could, I could definitely see the next few weeks, some more, more names popping up. Yeah. August, August was kind of the timeline. I thought <clears throat> just because by August, I think we would know one way or the other, whether or not there'd be any kind of evaluation period. And it, it just doesn't seem to be trending in that direction. <clears throat> so I think they have to jump in, uh, with offers soon because some of these guys, uh, Angelo Breezy, Breezy, who we've talked about for a while, came out with a top eight and Carolina wasn't in it. Now, that's not to say Carolina couldn't get in it with an offer, uh, but some of the guys who maybe thought they – who they thought might wait a little while um, seem to be moving forward. So they're going to have to make some decisions here soon or uh, get some of the guys who we think maybe have them in their top group to, to go ahead and commit. Yeah, it's – going to be interesting to see just what happens with these classes. I mean, I, I agree with you guys. I think things are going to really start picking up with offers going out to 2022 and then class of 21 guys. I mean, who knows? We could start seeing some commitments from that class here soon. Um, with well, they're, they're, you know, not Carolina related, but Matthew Cleveland, who I think is top 15 um, in 2021, is announcing on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's one that could, you know, we, we always talk about how is it, there, there are dominoes with this thing, you know, say he picks, I'm gonna go on some hypotheticals here. Okay. <laughs> so he's, he's a, he's a wing, right. So say he picks Kansas. And so does that make Kansas less desirable for Hernan Salas? And if so, is Carolina, Kansas, Gonzaga, his top three. And if his second choice already has somebody kind of at a similar spot, does that push him to make a decision quicker? Again, not saying that's all the case. That's a hypothetical. But I think once these decisions start happening, then they, they tend to snowball. Yeah, and especially with the elite guys. I mean, I think it's, it's very telling that Coach Williams and the staff that they are not waiting around for these guys like, like Mark Mitchell, um, and especially if the player themselves is, um, is receptive to the pitch, which, I mean, Sherelle, from the quotes, it seems like Mitchell – really has a good personality, someone that could fit at Carolina. So I can see why the staff is really prioritizing him. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he's definitely the type that they gravitate towards. Um, and, man, the kid, I mean, he's – I had never talked to him before um, that phone call. And I was just talking to him, and I was like, halfway through the interview, I think we put it in there. I won't give away too much. But I was like, what, you seem pretty mature. Where, like, where did this come from? Um, and then we started talking about watching Grays. I was like, yeah, you're really mature. So, uh, but he, he's, he's definitely the type of player that I think they like um, both on and off the court. And that's another thing. If you look at the 2022 offers um, with him and Sky Clark and Jaden Bradley, they all have a very mature um, demeanor about them. And it mm-hmm. could be because they've been in the limelight since they were freshmen and they kind of get media. Um, but I, I, I didn't get that was the impression. I, I didn't get that impression from them 
it just kind of seemed like they are, you know, just good kids. And I know that sounds real cliche, uh, but that's the impression I got. And then, well, yeah, uh, go ahead, Sean. One, one thing, you had mentioned uh, Brizzy and, and not having, you had seen his top eight. I, I think he was playing in the Big Shots tournament this weekend, which uh, was live stream. So uh, I need to check in just to see how he did. But, you know, perhaps he plays well this weekend and, and something, you know, there's some movement. But it's, it's got to be a little frustrating for the coaching staffs that would be using this time, especially on seeing new guys. Um, and here you are watching Baller TV and their automated cameras often uh, don't make it to the full length of the court. So you're like, you know, what did they just shoot it? Did they pat? Like, what happened? Is that number seven or number four? I can't <laughs> oh, tell. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So recruiting uh, is, it's, it's going to be wild over the next couple of years, guys. But hey, we're here. We'll be here to talk about it. Let's go though and take a very quick commercial break to talk about our friends at John T-shirt and JohnT-shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. They are your locally owned and operated UNC business. So if you are looking for someone to support during these tough times, make sure that you go to Johnny T-shirt. You can shop online at JohnT-shirt.com where they have tons of sales going on. I know Tommy Ashley talked about them on one of his podcasts recently. I think it was a jersey sale going on. Uh, but Giant T-shirt and JohnT-shirt.com, they are constantly putting up sales. They have been an icon there on Franklin Street for decades. Please, please, please support them. They are great friends of Inside Carolina. If you're looking to maybe do uh, some work on the man cave. If you listen to Don and Ross's podcast, they con constantly talk about their man caves there. Uh, people may have seen some photos of Tommy's man cave as well. So if you have some spare time right now and you're looking for some stuff to add, Giant T-shirt has you covered. They have everything that you could possibly want that's UNC related. Uh, they also have a very cool thing that, that just came out. Lee Pace, legendary Tar Heel, uh, just media personality is what i'll call him but if you don't know who, who lee pace is please look him up if you're a tar heel fan he has a new book coming out um it's his updated keenan book and that's currently being sold exclusively at giant t-shirt and giant t-shirt.com so that is going to be some amazing reading if you need um anything to pass the, the time uh lee pace's book is a cannot miss for tar heel fans you can pick that up at giant t-shirt giant t-shirt.com and lastly don't forget that if you are a subscriber to inside carolina you get 10 percent off of your orders either in store or online so giant t-shirt and giant t-shirt.com your place to go for carolina gear all right guys so one other uh player that had some games and i think all three of us were able to watch the highlights because uh, one of the posters on inside carolina was actually good enough to be present um, made a highlight tape and put it on the on the uh, premium basketball message board, which was great. But that is Mr. Dontres Styles, who is out of the class of 21, local North Carolina kid, UNC commit. And the the clip was a couple minutes long. Um, it showed both some good and some bad, which I actually really liked. It wasn't just your standard highlight reel where the kid looks amazing and then you don't see him bricking threes for the next 15 minutes. Um, but I think all three of us came away with a little bit of different impressions. So I'll just let you guys start it off. Sean, when you were watching the footage of Dontrez from over the weekend um, and last couple of days, just what was your first impression? First, it was nice to be able to watch that footage because, you know, especially how quickly it was put up. So thank you very much for the, the highlight tape. Um, but you know, if I could have seen Salas or Mitchell, that would have been like that. That would have been great. Um, but in terms of watching that one in particular, um, very impressive, I have to say. I mean, I think uh, the knock on him was was really shooting and shooting form. And I think the stats, and especially in that game, three of four from three and uh, nine of ten from the line. So obviously, he's been putting in in work um, the last few months on his shooting, um, you know, skill set. I still think the, you know, the shot form itself is a little you know there's still kind of that hitch a little bit it seems like although it was going in uh, but once again going in in AAU and then going in in college is, are, are two very different things but yeah. I think the thing that impressed me the most was uh, some of the plays where he he caught it kind of a little you know north of the uh, right baseline in kind of a post-up situation and and um, you know kind of took a few dribbles uh, either fade away or face up. And there's one move um, just in terms of how quick it was. And that was impressive as well as him getting to the basket. I know we, we all know he's athletic, um, but I think just kind of getting to see that again up close was, was good. And then for me, just trying to picture, all right, how does, 
you know, how does his skill set fit into Carolina's offense? And, mm-hmm. you know, once again, I think that'll be interesting. Can he, I think he could be a, you know, especially on defense, kind of a four, three, three, four on defense offensively, you know, probably a little bit of a hybrid as well, especially if he keeps working on his shot. So, you know, it was a good highlight to watch, but, you know, once again, it, it's, it's a highlight, but it was nice to see a few missed shots in there as well. Yeah. What about you, Sherelle? I mean, I guess one of the spe- specific things I noticed were those turnaway, uh, those turnaround jumpers, the fadeaways. Um, he hit one. I think he missed the other two. But what were your thoughts on his game? Has, has he gotten better in any area since you were able to see him last? I, I think it kind of confirmed to me um, what we – what we think we already knew and first shout out to BKC Hill is the poster who posted the video. Uh, so thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Um, I, I think it showed, you know, Rob, Rob Harrington back in the day. Um, I remember what James Michael McAdoo, he called him a, a elite utility athlete. And I thought that was just a, such a perfect um, description of what McAdoo is. And I think it kind of fits um, with, with styles and that's not to disparage any parts of his game. Uh, but I, I just see him, like, like Sean said, defensively, like at six, 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 seven, just kind of wreaking havoc on people because he's got the athleticism, he's got the quickness, um, <clears throat> and he's a, a tough. You know, people from Kinston consider themselves really, really tough. They're they're very proud of that, and he's got that mindset. And just you know, again, talking to folks around the UNC program and around Kinston, they talk about how hard the guy plays, how tough he is. Um, you know, just how much he loves basketball and takes it very seriously. So I think in, from that aspect, you take that over defensively, um, I think he has that. And then what we saw offensively, I don't think is too far from what he can be at UNC. I think mm-hmm. some of the shots he took had a very high degree of difficulty, and they're not really in the UNC offensive system or playbook unless the shot clock is running down. So I doubt you'll see that. But just the fact that he can hit an open three, I think, is good, and that's something that he can improve upon. Um, he had a, a great drive to great true drive. I don't know what happened there. I couldn't talk. I couldn't get it out. He had a great drive to the basket with a finish with his left hand. Um, that was really impressive. There were just a couple of really, really skilled moves in there that yeah. bodes well for him, uh, moving forward. And then for, for UNC too, because you really can deploy him in, in so many different ways. You can deploy him. Like Sean said, as a three, you can deploy him as a four. I think we were talking about Jabari Smith and small lineups you know, he's somebody who could guard as a five, who could guard somebody who's probably six nine or six ten, because a lot of that is just toughness and, and grit and willingness to go out and get rebounds. So if there ever came a situation where UNC needed to go really small to match, I think Styles gives them that kind of versatility to be able to do that. And furthermore, when it comes to recruiting, um, he's just he's like I said before, he's he's very similar to RJ Davis in that he's coverage. Like he makes sure that um you know, no matter what happens in this class, they have someone who can fill a couple of roles. So that allows them or, or frees them up to go, you know, like we said before, kind of star chasing with guys like Jabari Smith, with guys like Caleb Houston, with guys like Harrison Ingram and Patrick Baldwin. Um, so I think from that aspect, he's one of those foundational pieces. And, and the, the short clips that we saw, I, I think, showed what he can do and showed why he's one of those foundational pieces. Yeah, I was very impressed with his quickness with the ball. Um, both of you guys mentioned how he had several moves where he was one-on-one um, there close to the low block, and a couple times he was able to just go by his guy, lay it up. It, then he did have the one turnaround jumper. So, I mean, it is in his repertoire, which is good to see. But overall, it was very impressive uh, from Styles And the guy who was guarding him, I mean, it was a you know someone that was of, it looked like at least to me, right about his size. Um, it wasn't like he was going up against someone that he just had a physical, a massive physical advantage over. So the fact that Styles was able to do that, put up those, um, those stats um, was just, it was really impressive to see. Let me ask you guys this about Styles, and then we'll move on to our final topic here. If there had been more opportunities for evaluators to see him, do you think he would have worked his way up to be one of those guys that was right on that four or five star line, possibly maybe a low end five star kid. What do you think about that, Sean? Um, you know, once again, maybe he, he explodes and gets into five stars, but assuming those are top 20, probably not. I think when he committed, and I forget 
Uh, Cheryl, do you remember where he was ranked when he committed? I feel it was like 74. Yeah, I think it was in the, I think it was low 70s. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, the podcast we did that day, we then we both kind of agreed that if spring AAU ball were happening, he could easily be in the top 50. Um, and I still think that is the case. Um, so I would say four-star for sure in terms of mm-hmm. a higher four-star. And in that top 50 range is pretty likely. I mean, you look at the, once again, just the athleticism and kind of the size. And right there, you, you kind of have that. And as Shirella mentioned, the most important thing is he committed early. So there, you know, all, all these, you know, discussions, we always kind of leave him out just because he's already committed and we're talking about who are they going to get next. But to have kind of that three, four, four, three guy is, is really important. Yeah. What's your take on that, Shirell? Do you think that he, he would be rising, but not quite to that, to that five-star level? Yeah, for sure. And w- the reason, uh, the reason I think so is because, um, a lot of what he did or a lot of his ranking was just based on potential. Um, mm-hmm. because, um, last summer, again, like we talked about, he played 17s and he was pretty young to be playing 17s. And there were times where he frankly looked overmatched and that's to be expected. But as, as the season went on, he really started to play better. And then by December, when, um, Evan, who's no longer, no, no, not 24 seven anymore. But when Evan saw him, he was national recruiting director. And Evan just talked about how impressed he was with him when he saw him at the John Wall Invitational in Raleigh in December. And I think that would have just continued. Um, he would have continued to ascend through the rankings because, um, you know, both on his high school team and coming up with CP3, he was going to be, you know, kind of the guy. And I think he would have put up some big performances and just his style of play lends itself to, to, um, doing well on the AAU circuit. So all that to say, I definitely think he would have been like a top 50 guy at, at worst. All right, guys, good stuff. Let me go ahead and take our very last commercial break for the national ads, and we will be right back to wrap up the podcast with a update on Caleb Houston. So stay tuned. We will be right back after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits. Turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we're back with the Inside Carolina Coast to Coast podcast. John Siegley here with Cheryl McMillan and Sean Moran, as always. Guys, last part of the podcast here, there was a development with Caleb Houston, who used to be in the class of 2022. He was one of the top players. I think he was the number third ranked in 22. Now he has reclassified to the class of 2021. We'll have to see where he ends up being ranked within that class. Last I checked, I didn't see where he had been assigned a ranking in there, but he is a power forward guy out of Florida. And I mean, Houston was someone, I think both of you guys have talked about this on, um, or you, you talked about him on a prior Coast to Coast podcast. UNC did offer Houston, I think back in January. So he was one of those elite guys that Sherelle and Sean both have talked about that the staff has been targeting. Now that he's in the class of, class of 2021, though, I mean, you talk about dominoes. This really does impact a lot of people, such as potentially Jabari Smith. So, Sherelle, when you got the news that Caleb Houston was going to be reclassifying, I mean, what was the thought process? And was this a situation where 
was he a younger kid that was playing up a year? In other words, how did, how did he get to the reclassification step? So he's from Canada. Um, and, and so there they have a different system as far as, um, you know, class credits and, and math uh, mm-hmm. credits. And he's been down in Mount Verde uh, Academy uh, for the last two years. And typically players from Canada who come down and spend a couple of years reclass because of uh, that particular credits issue. I don't know exactly what it is, um, but they, they almost always do. Um, I'm trying to think of a Canadian player who didn't. And of the ones I can think <laughs> of, they all did. Um, so I think that's, that was the reason, one of the reasons for the reclass. His, his family's been thinking about it for a while. You know, when we first talked to them and uh, after UNC got the offer, you know, we talked to a few people close to the UNC program and around Houston, and they said the Carolina offer is good for 2022 or 2021. Mm-hmm. So that tells you that they are they already were considering it or likely knew that was the outcome. They just wanted to confirm it. And that was, you know, seven, almost seven and a half months ago. Um, so it's nothing new. And, you know, typically we always tell people when a player reclassifies, they have a school in mind. I think this one's a little different just because of how far out um, everyone knew the the reclass was coming like i talked about you know seven and a half months ago um so he ruined with dayron sharp at mount verde um and you know he played on arguably the best high school team of all time and started um and he's just he's a tremendous shooter just very smooth uh again i'll let sean get more into the x and o part of it um the from a recruiting standpoint um sean wrote in the fit about chet holmgren uh, and I guess he'll probably write it about Jabari Smith too, just about how the depth chart can l- be a little concerning if you're a top 15, top 10 player looking to come into Carolina because there's a lot of depth there. And I think the same is starting to happen on the wing because if you look at Carolina, you would expect Corbin Walton to be back as a sophomore. You would expect Puff Johnson to be back as a sophomore, Leaky Black as a senior. And if you want to count Anthony Harris as well, him back as a redshirt sophomore. So that's four wings already on the roster right now. And UNC has offers out to Patrick Baldwin, who I guess we can consider a hybrid forward, but, or, you know, a three, four Harrison Ingram already uh, Trevor Keels, who I guess was kind of a two, three and now to Caleb Houston. So, um, you know, I could see how for any of those guys, uh, the wing at Carolina looks a little bit crowded and you talked about dominoes. You know, if Harrison Ingram picks X school, um, I think it could have a trickle-down effect on Trevor Keels or on Caleb Houston. Or if Caleb Houston picks Y school, then what do those other guys do? So I think all of these guys are kind of connected and because a lot of the same schools are, are chasing them. Yeah, and, and as you both have mentioned as well, there's always the, um, the G League as well that I'm sure is going to come after Houston now. Uh, seeing as how he was so highly rated. Now, Sean, I described him as a power forward. I was just going off of his profile, but it sounds like he actually, from thinking back on it and how Rel is describing him, is he more of that 3-4 type player? And how do you think he does impact the rest of that 21 class when it comes to those type of guys? Yeah, I think he, you know, he's, he likes the wing. So he's, I'd say, you know, even though he is six, eight or listed at six, eight, you know, at least right now, kind of a three, um, you know, I think the interesting thing in terms of his ranking, because when, when he did reclass, you had a lot of people retweeting ESPN who had him number three in their, uh, 2022 rankings and 24 seven, um, actually had him 17 and, mm-hmm all of a sudden he reclasses up a year and now he's number seven uh, in the ranking. So, you know, usually it's a little tougher to go up when you go up a year, but he skyrocketed. Now, obviously some of that was just more kind of recalibrating his skill set. And, you know, I think for him, he was able to play in the FIBA. I'm looking at stats right now in the U16s last year. And this was just, you know, on the North America side. So it wasn't, uh, you know, the U17s, what this could have been, but, he played really well, averaging almost 23 points per game and five rebounds. And, you know, three-point shooting is supposed to be his strength. He shot 32%, so obviously some room for improvement there. But I think, you know, he'll, he'll be a high 30, 40, you know, 40% might be a stretch right off the bat, but he'll be a high 30% three-point shooter. And I think his, his shooting is one of his strengths, as well as, once again, is kind of being a smooth, a smooth wing. Um, so in terms of how that impacts the class, once again, I, I think 
it's interesting to look at how Ingram and a Houston will look at UNC going into that year where Leaky Black could be potentially going into his third year starting um, and have that sealed up or perhaps once again, as we talked about, perhaps that's, it's open for competition. And if you're having a top 10 player come in, especially if you're trying to win the championship, maybe that's kind of the fit you need. Um, so I think the top 10 guys won't be as concerned, but at the same time, there might be other spots, especially if it's a one and done, uh, one and done, one and done wing that's going to the NBA and they see a more straight line to 30 plus minutes. I think that could play in a decision, but you know, UNC was out on him early. Um, usually you're not saying that. So they were out on him early and now it'll be interesting to see, you know, does he visit, um, you know, he has that relationship with Sharp. Uh, but I think, I, you know, he's a really good player, really talented player and a very skilled player. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. And the other, the other thing I, I'd mentioned too, when it comes to his recruitment is that his family is um, not familiar with how recruiting kind of goes. They are learning on the fly. Um, and I think that'll play into it a little bit. Um, the people that they know, they are, you know, Rowan Barrett, RJ's dad, is kind of the czar of Canadian basketball. Um, and so they are very familiar with RJ Barrett, who also went to Mount Verde and then went to Duke. So Duke is going to be there, too. They, they just offered. I mean, he's going to have all of the Blue Blood schools, you know, going after him. But I don't think it's a situation where um, he was, you know, has one school in mind already. I think they truly are open, but just because this process is new and they want to fully understand it and they want to um, – make sure that he's making a good choice, uh, frankly. And there's a lot of considerations that they are um, taking into account when they talk to coaches and do Zoom meetings and all the things that um, all the players are doing now. So I, I just would add that, that um, it's not a situation where he's definitely already picked somewhere just because he reclassified. I think they really are open. And Charles, do you think it's a situation where you're looking at guys like Ingram, like Houston now, where if the heels – do manage to land the player that they have kind of penciled in into that three, four slot that basically what you'll see is the rest of the guys are going to start taking Carolina off of their lists. I mean, I would imagine just given like what Sean had said about the depth at the position, that's probably the most realistic thing is that if the heels get one of these targets, that's going to be basically it for that one in the 21 class. Yeah. If they get one, it's a coup. If they get two, you know, I, I don't know when does Haley's comet come again? Like that's how that's how rare it would be. Like you know, the, I, there's just no way they're going to get two of them. So if they get one, um, I think they should call it a good year and, and move on. I, I don't yeah. think there's any way. Um, for example, they could get an Ingram and a Houston. And I say that only because of what we mentioned before. The depth chart is already kind of full with guys who they expect to be around for a couple of years. So there's not there's really just not room for two more. Uh, you know, a wing and a combo forward or a wing and a two, three, they really have room for one. As long as our, as long as uh, Archer Davis plays 35 minutes a game, right? Sherelle? <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, you guys, uh, let's go and wrap up the podcast with this. Sean, just wanted to ask you if there are any other tournaments or any other matchups coming up that you think Carolina fans may be aware of um, Sherelle, same thing, just opening up to you guys. If, if there's anything else coming up, that y'all are aware of that we can let the, the listeners know about? Uh, as of this moment, I, I'm not up on, my, on the tournaments coming up, but hopefully uh, will be, and we can post those on the message boards. Um, once again, as I said, I was excited for this weekend to be able to watch some, and it didn't turn out, um, didn't come out like I had hoped, but I think there should at least be some content coming out over the next few days on some of those players. And once again, it's getting a chance to see them against much better competition in AAU compared to high school and just getting to watch basketball a little bit again. So um, I'll throw it over to Sherelle to see if there's anything on, on his radar, but um, <laughs> you know, th there probably will be some smaller tournaments and uh, you know, once again, hopefully that's just a chance for us to watch some of the guys play. Yeah. It's funny. Um, this is, this would be the one of the live periods coming up this coming weekend. And I think some of the smaller tournaments basically just are 
keeping what they had. So there's like a there's a, a tournament in Rock Hill, South Carolina. I think there's going to have maybe a UNC target or two. I'm mm-hmm. not exactly sure. But besides that, I mean, it seems like everything's just hit or miss. Guys are um, – so there was one tournament that I know that Carolina um, wanted to watch. And, you know, they've been confirmed on the little – we're going to have UNC virtually watching, blah, blah, blah. And then the couple of players that they really wanted to watch ended up not being at the tournament. Um, so all this stuff is just so hit or miss just because I think uh, parents are deciding at the last minute whether, they're not gonna, whether or not they're going to let their kids play. And then teams are doing the same thing. So mm-hmm. um, it, it really is just when you see them on the court is when they're confirmed. Uh, so as we are able to do that as, as much as we can, we'll let everyone know. Um, on the measures board, like Sean said. And how quickly are you guys going to cancel that subscription to Baller TV <laughs> or whatever it is after all this is over with? They got uh, they're, they're smart and locked us in yeah. for three months. So they got Sean's work. money already. <laughs> so it's it's over. Sorry, Sean's just going to share his password with us, right, Ro? Uh, yeah, yeah. If Baller TV's watching, I don't want them to know that. So <laughs> I'm not going to comment. No comment. That's, good. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, Baller TV definitely, you know, I know they got some Dwayne Wade investment money, but they, they need a little more work on those automated cameras. But at, at the at the very least, um, there are cameras on, on these games, which, you know, is... Uh, it's better know, than, I guess, absolutely nothing, nothing, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, we're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Coast to Coast podcast. Thanks a lot for being here with me. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll talk with everyone again soon. Have a good night, y'all. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.